Welcome to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast, bringing you open and honest conversations about resources in Tuscarawas County. Now here's your host, Jody Salvo. Hi, this is Jody Salvo. Welcome to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Today we have some special guests from New Philadelphia City Schools. Um, we have some staff and a, a wonderful, involved parent. Um, we have Kevin Wolf. We have Terry Carpenter, and we have Kelly Rager. Um, today's podcast, if you're a usual listener, is going to be a little bit different um, because we really want to have a very targeted conversation today about what it's like to go back to schools, what parents and, and our young people can anticipate. Um, this will be focused on New Philadelphia City Schools. However, um, I think there's going to be a lot of nuggets here that parents, caregivers from all across the county can take away um, of how do we reassure our students, what do we need to know, um, kind of understanding some of the work that the schools have been doing. So I really appreciate y'all being here. Normally, we kind of have a podcast conversation, but I think we're going to do this more in an interview because the schools have been receiving a lot of questions. So what we did, um, Lori Hall from New Philadelphia City Schools, she just kind of wrote down some questions that they're receiving, and I think they're probably common to all of our districts. So we're just going to kind of go through them, address them, um, and have some conversation around them. Does that work for y'all? Very good. Sounds good. Thank you. I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and we'll start. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll jump into our questions. Okay. Okay. Um, my name is Kevin Wolf. I'm the principal at York Elementary, um, and I have been in the New Philadelphia City School District for five years as not only an administrator in the district, I'm also a parent of school-aged children. Nice. Uh, so, you know, as I'm looking at questions that have come to me, uh, and I know to some of my uh, fellow administrators, teachers, you know, these are questions that all of us are, are, are thinking yep. about and all of us are worried about. So, you know, I like to try to bring that unique perspective that not only am I the principal of York Elementary, I'm also a parent of my own kids. And, and you also and have a background as a counselor I as do. well. So. I do. I, I, I have a school counseling background and I've, you know, handled, have, have had experience working with kids and parents and, and worries. Yeah. And so, you know, those are things that as we think about rolling back into school, you know, not only, you know, for me, I'm a configured building of kindergarten and first grade. So, a lot of the things that I want to make sure that they feel self, safe and welcome, but they also have to learn school. Absolutely. And, and some of them had a long break when they were kindergartners last year, and, and many of them are starting school as kindergartners this year <laughs> in a way that a kindergarten crew has not started. Unprecedented. Correct. And, and I, I want to make sure that the parents are aware of that, you know, those are things that we know. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're... Their little ones coming to us, you know, it's important that they feel loved and cared for uh, as we start out. So great. that's a little bit about me. Neat. You have a really great perspective. <laughs> I, you know, it, it's kind of nice to have someone at the table that sure. is coming from all different angles on this issue. So thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Terry. Terry Carpenter. I am the social worker for New Philadelphia City Schools. Um, I just started a year ago. So much like our kindergartners, I am starting over. Um, meeting everybody, kind of learning the ins and outs of the school year here. Um, I have been a social worker for 28 years, so that part is not new to me, yeah. um, just the climate that we're in. And like everyone else in the world, adapting to COVID and trying to figure out how to support our students, support our families, uh, meet those social-emotional needs. 
Um, and I think what you're going to find is not only New Philadelphia, but I think schools in general are going to take a much stronger focus on social emotional needs Absolutely. this year than probably we've seen in years in school systems. So I'm very excited about that. My passion is mental health. My passion is meeting those needs of those students and families. Um, so I'm very excited that I have the support I have at New Philadelphia nice. so that we can get some things in place. I've had the pleasure of meeting with Terry recently and just to kind of hear the understanding you have of the needs of our young people just living through this time. You know, I think a lot of times adults kind of can forget how much this impacts our young people. And I can tell your eyes are right on this and you have a very comprehensive view of, man, we have needs um, and, and we're going to meet them as a district. So I Absolutely. appreciate you having you here today. Very Thank fun. Thank you. Kelly. I'm Kelly Rager and I'm actually a New Philly grad. I was just thinking of what I was going to say. Yeah. And I thought longtime resident of New Philly. I have two children, one in second grade and one in fourth. So looking forward to this year and the changes and, also help with blessings in a backpack Neat. for New Philly and maybe some other schools this year as well, depending on. Nice. So Kelly, I appreciate having you here. And Kelly's just a community leader. Um, I think everybody hears about blessings in a backpack. I know there's a lot of food programs around Tuscarawas County, but like your boots on the ground, get it done. And um, so we know you have that kind of servant heart. You're caring about our community. So I think it's wonderful to have a parent, um, on the panel as well today. Thank I you. guess that's what we'll call yeah. it. But yeah. I tell you what, let's jump in so we can kind of share some of this information, kind of talk about some of these issues. Um, I'm going to start with one of the questions that the schools have been receiving, New Philadelphia City Schools in particular. It The question is, is parents and caregivers, how can we best support our children as they return to school? So take in, you know, fears, concerns, anxieties. How do we best help them through this transition? I know my husband and I, we've just really been talking to them about it, okay. of how they are feeling. And if they're nervous, you know, they ask about the masks, but they wear masks anytime we go out. So they get used to yeah. it and they just know that, hey, that's what we do. We teach them, you know, washing their hands and the hand sanitizer. And then we're just careful too with our adult conversations. Absolutely. Making okay. sure that we have adult conversations that the kids aren't involved in those if we if we do have worries or if we're nervous about something that it's not we're telling the kids about that we're keeping it that absolutely and how about even kind of shielding them from media news and all that kind of stuff is it that is. something you're, you're it's so hard if you turn the news on and they're in the room they're yeah. going to hear it so it is hard and they hear it outside it's everywhere yeah. so we do our best to keep it to a limit. Right, right, right. But it does help spark conversation with them as well. Great. So I think that is wonderful. I think the takeaway there is just be careful how much you're talking about it, how you're talking about it. Um, And if you are an adult having anxiety or concerns, be mindful of that because I think our kids pick up on how we're feeling. They soak it all. They really do. (laughs) They do. Anything else y'all would... um, um, I'm in on that one. I just really appreciate what Kelly and her husband are doing. I would say that parents having those conversations that are age appropriate and developmentally appropriate for their kiddos, kindergarten first is very different than having a conversation with our high school kiddos. Sure. Um, so really looking at what they can understand at their level um, and, and creating that sense of safety and security in a world that doesn't feel very safe right now. 
Great. Okay. Thank you. And the one thing I'd add to is when Kelly was mentioning that they're practicing, you know, they're practicing that mask wearing. Yeah. Uh, That's going to be very important. As I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm the smaller children in our district, you know, they've probably not had masks on for extended period of times, which is going to be something new to them as they're coming in. So the fact that as a parent, she's, she's working through that is a wonderful thing. Uh, I mean, we want school to be fun. And I think most people would understand that when you're constantly dictating rules on students, that doesn't seem very fun. And the fact that that's being taken care of in her home as the kids come in, they understand it's, for simply put, it's the world we're in now. Yeah. And, And, you know, I have found just personally, when I first started wearing a mask, I kind of got a headache, like if it was prolonged periods of time. And I don't tend to get them now. So I do think you almost kind of build up tolerance on those masks. And, you know, I've heard some of the tips, you know, have your kids (laughs) kind of just ease into that mask wearing, whether it's you're watching TV, put it on, if they're doing Mm -hmm. a little gaming or screen time, you know, and just kind of get them familiar even on their downtime just to kind of be wearing those masks. My second grader before I came, I said, you know, just a couple different questions for today. And she said, am I going to have to wear that for 10 hours? (laughs) (laughs) Well, not 10 hours, but you know, she's like, okay. (laughs) But it is just their questions that they, that they have. If you don't ask, right. They don't say anything. And encouraging those questions because so often we think we can anticipate what kids are thinking and they usually blindside us yeah. with what they're really thinking. So asking, what are, what are they thinking? What are their fears? What are they excited about? You know, we found that even with like our grade banding, which is another change our district is facing, okay. our kiddos are like some of the feedback we've gotten has been a reflection of the concern and, and the fears that they might hear other places. But one kid in particular I'm thinking of went to his mom and said, I'm so excited because I've always wanted to try every playground, and now I get to. <laughs> and that's not something I ever would have anticipated yeah, hearing. That's great. And isn't that a wonderful spin on this? Uh-huh. Yes. You know, so it, it really is. Yes. So very fun. So yes. for parents out there, caregivers, I would say the takeaway here is have age-appropriate conversations with your kids about some of these issues, about the return of school kind of get their feedback of, of what their questions are and then answer them appropriately and age appropriately. And start preparing now. This is the time of year that you start getting more into those bedtime routines to prepare for school. So start that with right. the mask wearing and the other changes that are coming. Nice. So students go back in, what, about two weeks? Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So we've got two weeks of prep time right now. Absolutely. Sure. Very good. Next question that we have had that has came in is, my child has been told misinformation related to COVID um, from childhood friends, from different places in the community. So what this question is, is how, how do I address that? So maybe even when your student goes back to school and they're hearing all this different information um, and you might not even be so happy about the information they heard, how do you handle that one? Absolutely. And I think this goes back again to having those open conversations with your kids to what are they hearing? What have they been told? What have they taken in? And then correcting that information, you know, really simplifying it. Um, I know our school website is full of information about our um, restart program um, as we enter into this new school in very uncertain times. Um, I know there's even some changes in how school might look depending on what's going on in the county as far as COVID numbers. Um, but 
correcting that information, making sure it's factual, and making sure it's something for their age they can handle. So when you say to the parent or to the caregiver, give accurate information, um, your advice, would it be the Tuscarawas County Health Department, New Philadelphia City Health Department? Yes. And, and your website? Yes, and be? our website. And we have an open door policy. I know okay. our, from our superintendent down, you can call in and talk with any one of us, and we're more than happy to give you the information, the correct information. Perfect. Because what I like about this question is it's geared towards children. Mm-hmm. However, we also know that as adults, a lot of us are getting wrong information. Yeah, it changes every day, and yeah. I... I don't know about y'all, but sometimes like, what is real information? So I think guiding adults to reputable sites, sites that, you know, we're all going to somewhat try to agree on as a community would be super helpful. Wonderful. Okay. Very good. Okay. Next question. Um, Children are expected to wear a mask. And, you know, I know we've seen that kind of change, but your principle of really young ones. um, So it says... Um, any other suggestions? I think we've kind of talked about that a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I mean, bit. the suggestion would be definitely to practice okay. and, 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 and understand that as educators, you know, as we bring in, and I'm going to speak on my building again because, you know, I'm looking at the littler ones that it's going to be more of a challenge. Yeah. We understand that. Uh, we understand coming in. You know, as we look at that, you know, it's, it's a skill that's going to be learned for them as a new way to do sure. school. And I do think you probably have the most challenging building because I'm thinking those really young ones. I do. But, you know, as we were talking about the information that's out to students, Uh you know, at the littler ages, they want to please and, you know, they want to learn and they want to learn all the things. You know, I have a great group of adults, you know, who who have a passion for five and six year old kids. And, you know, they're very talented on how they educate kids. This is just a new procedure routine sure. uh you know i'm amazed with my kindergarten and first grade teachers i bet there'll know. be a lot of mass <laughs> decorating in those ages <laughs> right they'll come up with some very unique and clever ways to make it a Fun. that i need to learn to wear this mask why i need to learn wear this mask and also make it where it's not so confining as something they have to do yep but something that's part of their to part of their school day. And so it's, I'm really leaning on them, but you know, I, my, my faith in my teachers is because they can do it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see all the creative ways. Honestly, they're going to do. looking at your face and your excitement yeah. on that, it, in seconds, you just changed my viewpoint on this, thinking the little ones would be hard. And I'm thinking, oh no, those teachers are going to make it very fun. In fact, I'm looking forward to seeing photos of the mask on those young ones <laughs> in a couple yeah. of weeks. Well, it's, they, they do amazing things. That's we need sure. a fashion show because <laughs> yeah. I've already seen very creative masks. I yeah. think it is the fall fashion statement is yeah. what mask you will be wearing. Yeah. One of the studios <laughs> in New Philly, she was doing a little take. You could go and pick up a bag and it had a <laughs> kit in it to make tie-dye. And there oh. were smaller masks. And so my kids, they had so much fun doing oh, it. Nice. And now they're proud of it too, that it's, mm-hmm. look at my mask I made. Yeah. Yeah. So it's And we're anticipating there will be things we'll have to work through. Right. I mean, as 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 with anything when educating kids, there's things we'll work through. But like I said, I I feel I feel confident that, you know, in our learning community with the teachers, the parents and the students themselves, that there's nothing that we can't we can't get through. I am not an educator, but I've had the privilege to work with a lot of schools. And the one thing I do know is teachers care, and if anyone can convey to young people a message of 
Sure. Let's care for other people. Let's take care of our elderly population, our at-risk population. I'm confident that y'all can convey that to our young people. Absolutely. um, Yeah. And Jody, I can can tell you one of the things I did learn this year, even though my first year here was really disrupted, as was everyone's, but (laughs) it's all about me. I have ne- I've worked in social work for 28 years, and I've worked with some very difficult populations. And at times, and you probably know yeah. this yourself, it's hard to find resources to meet the needs of the folks that we work with. Yeah. Since I have been at New Philadelphia, I have not had any single student go without. The minute I had a need, I had a teacher, a staff member, a community organization somebody step up. I've actually had to search at times and beg my principals to help me identify families that could use some extra help because I had so many people from our, we we live in a wonderful community. We have wonderful staff. I've had teachers that say, if you can't find something to meet that student's need, let me know. I'll get it and I'll get it to you. Um, So it is amazing. And, and I think part of these adjustments to mask wearing or grade banding or any of the changes, any of our schools are, are facing this year really starts at home and with our staff, you know, like Kevin was talking about, he has an amazing staff, how we as the adults set the stage for that. If we come into it grumbling about wearing a mask, right, the kids are going to pick up on that and they're going to grumble about wearing a mask. But if I come in and say, man, I can't wait. I ordered two social work masks that I'm so excited. (laughs) I can't wait till they come in the mail and I can't wait to show them off when I go to school. Then the kids are going to pick up on that, you know? Very good. So I think the adults, it really, the burden's on us to set that stage, to make it a positive mindset and a positive attitude to create that safety net for the kids to feel good about coming back to school. And I am confident our educators can and will do that. Absolutely. Neat. Very good. Okay. Next question. How do I answer questions that my kids might have? And I'm going to just kind of go over some of these questions. Where am I going to eat lunch? Well, I have recess. What will recess look like this year? Will I be able to go to my specials? Um, What if I can't sit with my best friend? Now, I know this is different to every district, but these are the kind of questions our kids want to know. At the end of the day, if we can answer these kind of questions... Um, they're comfortable. They're good. Yeah, yeah they're good to go. And this it's probably is what adults is, have yeah. more of the problem at that yeah. point. So this is what is most important to them at this point in time. Yeah. Absolutely. And I could go, I mean, I could go through them because obviously those are things that when I say the word logistics, these are the logistics that are different okay. for school as a, as an administrator preparing for school for what the teachers need to know and their expectations. And then, as you mentioned before, with the students themselves. Sure. Uh, so let's pan- start with lunch. Okay, the pandemic, because because of the pandemic, there are many things that we need to do in regards to social distancing, spacing, and then common groupings. Okay. So in regards to lunch, uh, lunch right now, and I can speak for my building, I can't speak for the secondary, middle school, or high school buildings, uh, but the social distancing, we will have assigned seats, you know, lunch will be in an area that you know, they're going to be socially distanced throughout that lunch. They're going to be in that same seat okay. every time. Now, the teachers are going to help me prepare that. We're obviously trying to make from contacts throughout the day to have students around similar students where we're not mixing groups. Okay. Um, that would pretty much fall along the lines of, you know, as you talk about recess, uh, the specials, the rotating specials, if we can keep our groupings 
uh, and smaller contacts with the rest of the students and the rest of the population in the building, you know, then that's what we're trying to do. Okay. Um, recess, for example, you know, playgrounds early were, you know, off limits, you know, early in the pandemic. Now, you know, that's a, that's a release that kids need, you know, in, sure. in, in my age bracket, you know, they need that at yeah. that time to, to let off some steam, to, to be with their friends, you know, with that being outdoors, in most cases, we've basically run through and we have zones of our playground. Okay. And there'll be different equipment, you know, obviously, I'm going to lean on my my staff of how can we limit the contact points where constant things that are touched, because, you know, we we'll have to take that in, into sure. account, but also that they would be with with their grouping. And so, for example, on mine, I have five different zones at my recess or at my playground, and it would rotate throughout the week. So kids would get to be through each of those zones. But from that standpoint of contact, you know, they're going to be with they're going to be with that group of kids that they were lunch with, that they're in class with, you know, that as they're waiting for their bus, they're sitting with. So uh, you're basically going to have bubbles of students. We're that, trying. Okay. It, it, I mean, and that it, makes a lot of sense. And and that will just help because the the more distance we can keep between them, but also the contacts, you know, okay. the contacts with many students coming in, the the as we can narrow that down, it, you know, will help us from that transmission rate. Sure. So, and those are things, I mean, and for me, you know, as I mentioned again, I'm kindergarten first, you know, mine are going to make friends. They're going to have that opportunity that they haven't got to have, um, you know, and we're taking that into account. They're going to get to see kids. They're going to get to see other people. And, and so at this point, just seeing people is exciting, I think for every age group. Exactly. So So that's in in a nutshell is how my mind has been operating on it and how I know the other administrators in our district, you know, we're looking at the logistics part of that. And then, you know, once we have that tightened up, then as we get out there, we're going to we're going to see some things that need to be changed uh, or we need to be flexible on. And and those are things that will as they come, we'll we'll take on when they get here. So take away for parents and caregivers. Lunch is happening in a lunchroom because I think early on we had rumors that that might not happen. Recess is happening. Um, It's just going to be very mindful on, you know, just groupings of students kind of keeping them together and, and just being very diligent at this point, right? We have to. Okay. Well, and, and focusing on, like Kevin said, the kids need that. That's part of the recess is such an important part of the school day, just like math or reading is part of the school day. They need that outlet. Now my, my kids are in their twenties, <laughs> but I remember when they were young, I could tell if they did not go out to recess. Like at the moment they walked through that door, I knew, oh, you didn't get recess today, yeah. did you? Oh, yeah. uh, you can tell when they have an extra recess, huh? They just are. Yeah. Yes. yes. Well, and, and we're making contingency plans because, yeah. I mean, obviously I want, shun- like for me as a principal, I want sunshine every day. Sure. So they can go out and be loud and do the things yeah. they need to do. But we do have contingency plans if they come in too. You know, if it's raining and they can't be outside. Sure. So. Now, Kelly is a mom. Is there any other of those logistic questions your kids have asked? I think those are a lot of the questions that they've asked, and I have I didn't know all the answers. Okay. So I think as a parent sitting here, that the answers are out there that we need to find them. Because mm-hmm. I, I originally thought that they would be sitting at their desk to eat, so we've kind of prepared them for that. Not, And so that's something I didn't know. So that's great. And well, it, maybe depending on the building, too, I'm not sure. But it, Well, and we're very similar, like yeah. building to building, because we work close together. Right. I mean, and the big thing that I guess I would tell parents as they're hearing this, um, flexibility is the key. 
Right. You know, obviously, you know, if, if we're starting out in the cafeteria, those assigned seats, lunches that way, you know, we have to have the ability if we see that there's a need to make that change to move to from that plan. Uh, and, and that's kind of the mindset that I know I'm trying to go in with, with, with ever, I think right. most administrators and most teachers is we have Being to be flexible. flexible. We have to be, uh, because things change so fast and from week to week, right? but we now, have to pl- Kevin, prepare for that. initially, are they going through a lunch line or someone taking the food over to them? In my building, we are not. Okay. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, we're planning on, you know, obviously moving from classroom to the cafeteria. You know, we do not want congregation sure. of waiting in lines. And so we're trying to problem solve on how we can eliminate that. Where, And then also, you know, that they learn the routine. Mm-hmm. You know, as much, even if we had, let's go back two years ago of, they would line up and yeah. punch in their code. And, you know, there was a process that they needed to learn how that was sure. done. So, you know, it's it's a little bit different because now they're going to learn, you know, I, I'm done with my academic work. I'm cleaning up what I was working on. I'm making sure my station's clean. Yep. And I'm getting in the hallway spacing and I'm walking down to find my lunch seat. I mean, it, it's just new procedures right. that the teachers and I need to, to work Figure through first and then get now, to the Now, hand sanitizer, what's that looking like in buildings? At every classroom or? That's the plan. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the district has actually invested some money into buying that protective um, stuff like hand sanitizers okay. and mm-hmm. masks for kids who may arrive at school without one sure. um, so that we can make sure we have those things on hand to provide to students too. And every building K through 12, actually pre-K tw- through 12, is doing slightly different things. Okay. Um, and those things may change at any given moment when we find a better way to do it or if we have a concern that comes up um, that we have to address. For example, at the middle school, high school, um, what I'm hearing right now is we're not going to have use of lockers to start the school year because that promotes congregating in the hallways. And Kevin mentioned congregating, which is something each one of our buildings is trying to come up with creative plans so that we can minimize that and avoid that as much as possible. Um, You know, the one thing I would ask parents to remember is this is a real challenge that we've never had to take on in our schools before. So to learn to um, rethink some of those things like switching classes in the upper grade levels sure. and going to lunch at the lower grade levels and recess. Um, that's a real challenge when we talk about those keywords that we're all getting sick of hearing, like social distancing. and you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we're really trying to come up with the best plan sure. that we can for that in each building. And that may mean that those plans evolve and change over time, which can be frustrating from a parent perspective. Um, it can be frustrating from a staff perspective that we have a plan in place, sure. we're going to do this, and then it changes. But those changes are constantly happening with the best interest of our kids at mind. And yeah. I know, again, looking at you, Terry, as a social worker and understanding that social-emotional need of the kid, as educators, especially in those upper grades, you know developmentally they are meant to connect, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. So there is that fine balance of, you know, how do you how do you make this happen that you know you're meeting the students' needs, you're keeping everyone safe? I'm sure the best of plans, whenever you go to lay them out, you're going like, yeah, that didn't work real well. Or, you know, how can we fine-tune this? So sure. Um, sure. I know there's been so much thought and intent yeah. with uh, all the school districts on how we're gonna go forward. And mm-hmm. yeah. so I guess my plea to parents and to the community is in general is to show us some grace as we muddle through something that's brand sure. new and unexpected, just like the rest of the world. You know? And would you also say, because I, I'm 
with Kelly. I didn't know how meals and stuff. Would you suggest if parents are please? Okay, that's what so I. So parents, I, I, like I'm learning that today yeah. too. More like, hey, if you do have that question, don't be afraid because you guys, everybody is so well, welcoming yeah. to everything. And I will tell ever. you, like where I, you know, because it's something that I've had more time to process than maybe others. Sure. You get stuck in your mindset of, okay, here's how I'm going to problem solve this and I'm going to move forward here. It's not until I get a parent call on something that, how did I not think about that? Uh, Because, and that happens to us too. And I know I, you know, I can speak for the other administrators. Those are things that as they come to us, give us an opportunity to make better. Sure. And And you know what, for parents, if you call now, we just said we have about two weeks, um, it does a couple things. You can get the correct information and then you can kind of give that to your, your young person who then can share that to their yes. um, point of contact. Cause I think that's helpful. No, we get to eat lunch. We'll be in the cafeteria. <laughs> no, we get to go out to have right. to the playground. I think that's helpful. Yes. You know what I mean? Cause those Absolutely. are probably the concerns. Well, sure. those are the connections we yeah. want to make. We want parents to connect to us. We do. Perfect. Right. And I can tell you, our administrators and our school counselors and myself are back already. Um, the rest of the staff returns on Monday. So there's plenty of people, plenty of opportunity to reach out to us to get those questions answered. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Going to go to the next question. And this is a big one. And Kevin, I'm going to ask you, um, <laughs> what is the plan as we reopen New Philadelphia City Schools? And I'm smiling as I say this because I was meeting with Lori Hall and Terry, and I got to see the calendar of how things are working, color-coded, option right. one, two, three, or ABC, <laughs> and I went, oh my goodness. And your brain started to hurt it a little. It was mind-blowing, yeah. I like, can't I'm even. thinking, oh, I'm glad I'm not doing this. Yes. So, tell us the plan. Let me start out by saying that Responsible Restart plan is on our website. Okay. It is a full-page document, and it will go much more in-depth then unless you want me to sit here and read it word for word, it'll go more in depth, but I'm going to okay. give you the best of my ability, the overview of what that would okay. look like. Uh, so as we're looking at it, the, the key word to keep in mind is flexibility. Okay. Uh, because things can change in an instant as they have throughout since we went on our first shutdown in March. Okay. Um, the first thing that I want to say is that we have three different plans that we would be running of meeting with students in our typical ways that you would think about. Let me start out with the A plan. Uh, Our A plan is students would be coming in with mitigations, uh, there's the word, uh, (laughs) mitigations put in place within the school. All students would be coming every day, all five days of the week. Um, And there would be an an extra emphasis on safety precautions, cleaning, um, and like I said, movement throughout the building and groupings. That would be from a from a standpoint of how we manage that, I mean, I hate to use that word, but managing it, we're managing the exposure rate to the possibility of the virus. Okay. From an academic standpoint, not much will change. Uh, that is what, you know, the teachers, classrooms, what they're teaching, the standards that they're teaching, how they're assessing, it, it's school. And and I think the teachers would be relieved to know that there's not much difference sure. there. Uh, the next one would be the B pl- program. So real quick, just for everybody, at this point in time with Tuscarawas County, we're on an A plan all five days a week. I will say that with okay. that we do have a phase in the first week that's okay. listed on the site. So it would be a little bit different. And then after that phase in takes place, at this point, if it was today, we would be every student in. Okay, okay. Great. So I want to make sure I... Yes. 
Yeah, we have a staggered start so we can help orient our kids to what to expect Perfect. to answer some of those questions yep. that are out there. Yep. Yes. Okay. Then the plan B is a modified in-person. And so... It, and what triggers plan B? Basically that we would move up on our county rating. Okay. Very good. So, and if that was to occur, then what we have is that group that was in all together in a classroom, they are split in half and they would be attending school on two specific days. And then the other group would be spending on two other days. Okay. While they're in, it's, it's normal instruction. Okay. While they're out, it would be a more hybrid online uh, type of instruction. Okay. And, and I want to preface, or I want to say that too, as we get to the online options, you know, as we adjusted into the spring, it was a challenge, you know, it was something that, you know, as we've looked at what we could improve from when we shut down, you know, the online instruction piece, it is much more robust. It is much more like school. And, you know, I want to I want to say that out there because I know that's a concern. You know, that was a challenge for our district and districts throughout the I think state. It was a challenge for, for everybody, everybody, colleges, everybody. And yes. so I would say that as we talk about that online option, it does not look like what it looked like in the spring. It is it is more education and teacher student focused. So did the staff receive professional development on how to and conduct that's, classrooms we've virtually? Helped, we've offered those opportunities. Okay. We learned a lot during the time that we were out sure. on our own. And then we've also dedicated time before the students arrive in this fall uh, that they're going to get those opportunities to fine-tune things that they started and things that certainly, you know, they've looked at this summer. Uh, teachers, and I'll speak for teachers. Teachers as a group, we're always looking for, it's a science. We're always looking for better ways. Okay. And I know a lot of my teachers in particular have spent a lot of time trying to, to self-teach things that, that they can see and anticipate are going to be coming. So I wanted to say that as I talked about that hybrid, uh, hybrid model, which is our B model. Okay. Uh, then if for whatever reason we have to go completely online or virtual, uh, we do have that online virtual that would be typical school day. Okay. You know, we're looking at there'd be set hours if we could, you know, where teachers are going to be uh, teaching, you In know. In front of a classroom. Correct. Okay. And it, it's it's more robust. Um, and it's it's more, once again, student-teacher centered. You know, we're, we're hopeful we won't have to be pushed into that. But we're prepared for it, where in the spring it was a little bit different. Sure. Then on, so those are the A, B, and C plans for, for okay. parents and families that have, that have committed that whatever we are at from a rating, that's what we're going to be doing. Now, there were concerns with parents, and rightfully so, and, and there was a lot more, uh, the governor gave each local school district a lot more opportunity to make decisions. So we knew that there'd be concerns uh, of families or, you know, that sure. everyone has their own circumstances that they're dealing with. So we did have where they could have chose that online option. And once again, it's a flexibility. That online option, if, if, if parents and families chose that option and, and we get through this pandemic sooner, it's flexible enough that they can come back in. It's okay. it's not a full year commitment. We're we're breaking it into shorter commitment times uh, so that we can manage that. But you know that was another option that we put out there as well. And and much like what I talked about with option C, you know it's more robust. It's you know if there was concerns about what the online instruction looked like in the spring, it, it's different. It's different now, this year. For the online option, if someone has chosen that, is it a teacher with multiple students or? It is. Okay. It is. We have teachers committed to that group of students. That nice. would be their okay. teacher. 
and, and the wonderful thing is they're still Quakers. Like the, these are, these are new Philly kids. Nice. And so that's, that's the important part with it. Very good. Kelly, how does that make you feel as a parent? I feel like my husband and I, we both, we trust the administrators of New Philly. Okay. And that they have our kids' best interest. And so I, we feel comfortable with that. And we trust all the teachers. I mean, that's the one thing with our kids. We know they have to have that instruction. Yeah. I feel like we're pretty good parents, but we did not go to school to be a teacher. <laughs> and they, uh, teachers are special and, you know, they're in it as well. That, uh, so we trust them and we are, we know that they're going to do everything to keep our kids safe and to keep themselves safe. So well, and I will tell you, uh, like, me personally and my staff, we're excited to see them. I yeah. mean, we are so excited to see them. Like as we look back in the spring you know, every building did like a teacher parade. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I'm typically not a touchy-feely teacher parade day, but I couldn't help but smile. My face hurt yeah. just to see <laughs> the kids standing on the street yeah. waving to teachers and how much joy it brought both sides. Uh, you know, they're ready for, they're ready to see those little faces again. Yeah. And we're excited about that. I think if COVID taught us anything, it is how strong an impact school has on the social oh, emotional development of children, absolutely. you know, and vice versa on our teachers and on our staff as Certainly. well. Just the routine even too, yeah. of the, I mean, the routine you keep them in, it, it's good. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, Very good. Hey, let's move on to the next question. I'm sure a lot of parents are curious about this one. If a COVID case happens in your building, in your classroom, what happens? There, with our nurse and with our administrator and school board, I mean, obviously we're going to have procedures that we follow. Okay. All of those are going to be rolled out to myself and our teaching staff as we have these two, two weeks. Okay. The thing that I would basically like to say, because I know this is a phone call that I get from time to time, is the health department is the one that's going to notify if your student's been exposed, if, if there's a concern area that way, okay. um, you know, this would be no different than if, if I had an outbreak of TB. Yeah. Of anything. There's different things. I guess the best way to simplify it is I stay in my lane on that one. I don't want to say that one as a, as an unfeeling, but I'm not a health professional. You know, I don't work for the health department. I know that they've have some guidelines that are laid out to us as building administrators. And for me, it's, it's a, it's a good place to be because I know what needs to be done. There's, and, okay. and so I would say if you're calling to find out if another student in your son or daughter's classroom has been exposed, that phone call won't come from me. Okay. Uh, that will come from the health department because that's the process that each County has, has come up with. So now I'm assuming just, we live in a small community that if someone comes up positive, the rumor mills are probably going to sure. start. Um, will you be directing them to call the health department then? I will. I will. New Philadelphia City Health Department? Correct. That? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, so I think that's really helpful for adults because we do have issues of HIPAA and Correct. Um, just things that we need to be mindful of. So that is not a school decision. That will be a health department decision. Yes. And okay. it is very important to protect the privacy and the dignity of our families. So in the, in the mental health and medical world, you have HIPAA. In the educational world, we have FERPA. FERPA. So we okay. have our own privacy guidelines too that okay. we have to follow. And my hope is that people can understand that that's why that information can't come from us. 
Um, and also to trust that we are working, we have worked diligently um, partnering with the health department Correct. since this hit to guide us in what are the best practices, what are the things we need to be doing as a district. And, and we it's hard to amazing. hit a moving target because yes. I know the health department, um, things change for them every day as constantly. well. So. Constantly. And okay. we have two very seasoned, very top-notch nurses in our district. So nice. I know our kids, I have complete faith our kids are in good hands when it comes to our school nurses. And now, are they taking temperatures when the kids come into school? or? Well, what we have is we have a program now that that's going to be pushed back on the family. So okay. they would be able to access an online app uh, in the morning. It, there's a series of the COVID questions, if you're familiar of any sure. of your workplaces with that, that they will go through. Um, as those students arrive, let's say something happened in that morning, like like happens to families, you know, obviously we're going to have a running list of who has and who hasn't. And at that point, we're going to make sure that we take care of that. So okay. as we start a school day, every student's going to be able to be qualified based upon the guidelines that we have. Right. Okay. Um, and so that's, that's the process we're going to be using. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a self check-in and it does have a question on it that asks about your temperature for the day. Mm -hmm. So we are asking parents to take the kids' temperatures to make sure they complete that COVID screen. We've just rolled it out to our staff. Okay. Right. Um, and the challenge is remembering to do it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I pulled into the building today and went, oh, I didn't do that. I have to sit in my car and do the self-check real quick. Now, does all students and families have the technology to do that or... We're working on we're working. that. Okay. Well, and I would say that we're looking at one-to-one -one deployment for this year's school okay. year. So We're looking at every every child having a Chromebook, everybody Correct. having that access to technology. Okay. Um, and then if there's barriers there with Wi-Fi or internet service, we can help to see what we can do to remove those barriers as well. Okay. We're, we're purchasing hotspots. We're trying to make all of that a little more accessible. Yes. So, so would the hotspots actually go to people's homes that live in? I'm not sure what that's going to look like yet. We haven't finally, I mean, but I mean, there's, there's different things on the table, but we want to make sure that every student has equal access. Yes. To now, can I just ask you, is there funding that you all are receiving from a state level or? There has been. I mean, Community those are things that certainly Governor DeWine has thought about okay. and that we have been. So, I mean, funding is a, is a challenge, but yeah, there are things that are just priorities at this point in time. So that's the, I mean, that's the way I, I, I'm going to answer it because, you know, you do have, there are, everyone's going through these things sure. right now, but those are things that are, are non-negotiable right now when we're talking about what we're in currently. Okay. I can tell you we're very focused on removing those barriers. In right. the spring, we set up Wi-Fi access in the parking lot behind Welty and the high school and in the parking lot at West Elementary so that if students didn't have internet service at home, they could go there and nice. sit in a car or sit on the lawn or whatever they needed mm -hmm. to do to access that internet service. Wonderful. So it may, whether it looks like those hotspots, you know, those kind of sure. areas to go to or hotspots that are accessible in their home, I'm sure that'll be tweaked prior to the students returning and Perfect. Okay. Um, Terry, I think this one's for you. Where can I find information about the protocol for the year long year along with general resources to help during this time? We are actually on our, on our website. Um, we have different locations. Um, right now, if you look at the banner across the top of our homepage of our school district, okay. um, you can click on something that's called the 2021 Responsible Restart. Okay. Um, and that's going to give you information like Kevin was referring to about the restart plan. Um, it's also, if you scroll down, I think it's on the left-hand side of the screen, there's a menu of things to choose from. Okay. And there is a social-emotional 
tab there. And we are currently building a page that is going to contain links to numbers for community organizations. So if you need help, we have a lot of families facing financial stress that they were not facing prior to COVID. So there's information on there on housing resources, help with utilities, um, food resources, you know, all those things, because we're looking at the complete package because we know when a child walks into our building, their first and foremost thought on their mind is not that math page or that reading assignment. Their priority is, did I get food at home? You know, is my housing stable at home? Do we have the things that we need? Um, People are struggling more and more. You know this, Jody, from the work that you do. They're struggling with mental health. I really saw that peak near the end of the school year when all of this started to settle in with people. So there will be resources on there for crisis lines, for mental health that's available here in our community. Um, They can also contact myself or any of the school counselors um, I've also equipped every one of my principals with a resource guide nice. so that they know what's available in the community because I'm one social worker for yeah. eight buildings yeah, yeah. in a district. Um, you know, and we have three counselors in the district. Yeah. So that helps them to be an extension of me. Um, and they okay. know they can use me as a resource. Um, so yes, we're building that into our website. Um, we're hoping to put things like this podcast on that page so people can access it. Nice. Um, the counselors and I and the school psychologist have been coming up with resources we can post there to help parents to support their children through this adjustment, um, to help with coping skills for anxiety or fear, some of the things they may be struggling with as they return to school. I so appreciate you sharing all that, Terry. And I really want listeners to know, go look at those resources. Um, I think this this has been hard on everybody, adult and young people alike. I mean, there's so many unknowns with the pandemic. And I think for families just to know, please reach out for the resources. They're there for a reason. Like it, it is normal to not know how to navigate through the situation, whether you're adult or you're a young person. And I think as educators, you all realize some kids are coming from pretty, um, rough home situations, especially in the midst of this, you know, so we have great agencies. We've all, I think a lot of our agencies have received funding dollars to support, whether it be housing, Mm -hmm. we have tele counseling. Uh, We we're still going to have school counseling programming is still happening in the districts. Um, And you know what? We all process this differently, young or old alike, you know, Um, this whole pandemic has had a lot of effect on of us. So getting those resources. And something I failed to mention as we were talking about the restart, Mm -hmm. we also have at the elementary level, we've committed, you know, to having a a time that each student's going to be meet. We call it our specials, just like when you've had typically a a physical education, a technology period or a art period, art music. This year we are committed to having a social emotional period. Nice. That's committed to the kids. So I failed to mention that, but you know, that's something different for us, but it's something that I think is so valuable as we talk about this pandemic. It's something that's I'm very great excited too, with about. The grades, too, that you have everybody. Correct. So you can keep it all. That's great. Yes, the lessons can be very um, developmentally age-appropriate for awesome. those kiddos. And we are so fortunate that the community we live in, I've been working feverishly to have meetings with taking it to the schools. Yeah. Um, 
community mental health, personal and family counseling, different places that we can have them come in and do some of those social emotional lessons um, to build pro-social skills and coping skills. Um, Not all of them are going to be centered or focused around COVID because we still need those typical social interactions. We still need to know how to manage our anger. We still need to know how to make friends and prevent bullying. And so we're going to have a vast majority of those. So there will be those lessons. It's not going to be a mental health group per per se. It is going to be more of a social emotional lesson that is being brought in by a mental health provider or a community organization. Um, And I'm very excited for that because when I was hired last year in my interview, I told them my goal is let's get more mental health, more social emotional support in the schools. And you know, I always look for the silver lining, and COVID gave me exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> so made it happen a lot more quickly than maybe it would have otherwise. So I'm very excited for that opportunity. So parents, when you all are hearing social-emotional learning and you're hearing mental health, know that those are just building skills that we all need to do life well. Absolutely. So it's decision-making processes, it's communication skills, it's self-esteem, it's dealing with fear and anxiety. It's resolving conflict. Yes. Everything we all need to know how to do. And I think when you um, offer evidence-based programming, best practices, we know it works. What it does, it normalizes those feelings that we have from time to time. And I don't think we've always done this well through the generations. And, And a lot of times when you see exacerbations, maybe let's say drug addiction. It might be that we have this unresolved stuff and we didn't have the development of the tools to handle them well. So what do we do? We might escape or self-medicate or find a way to try to just make this stuff go away. And we have great programming starting at those really young ages. You know, how do we identify a safe person? How do we talk about our feelings? You know, how do I deal with these feelings? Mm -hmm. We're going to build a toolbox of tools that we can use through life. So I think it's a beautiful thing. And the agencies have been so receptive to it because they're eager to provide those services as well. So, for example, I'm going to brag on taking it to the schools for a moment. We typically had those in our fourth grade classrooms in the past. Um, This year, we're going to have those taking it to the schools in our third, fourth, and fifth grade classrooms. And they've been gracious enough to purchase a program and train their staff to learn how to provide that same information at an appropriate level to our kindergarten first and second graders starting next semester. So I'm very excited that we're covering that spectrum and... Um, even carrying that over, we will have mental health services available, that support available in our middle school, high school as well. So that's where our counselors are located. I'm yeah. also in those buildings, but we are also going to have an agency come in to be on site if families should choose to access nice. that service. Very I would say, too, as a parent, yeah, don't let pride step in the way of asking for help. I, I know both of my kids in kindergarten, it, they had tough times at certain times, and we didn't know why. Yeah. So we reached out and we were able to figure it out and it was super easy. But we as parents didn't have the tools to figure out. And by reaching out to appropriate, it was, we were able to help that. But it's hard to ask for help sometimes. Kelly, as you feel as a parent, you should be able to do that. I love that you bring that up because I think this kind of comes back to this root problem. If we start having these conversations, if we're meeting these needs at really young ages, there's not going to be a stigma around asking for help or addressing 
social, emotional, mental health needs as we grow up. Right. Our generation, as we're sitting around the table, it was kind of taboo to ask for help or, you Absolutely. know, I think mental health, even the word had a really negative connotation. Our young people, if they're raised up in talking about these issues, there's not a stigma, right. you know, exactly. we can really communicate life is hard and we're all going to have to exactly. deal with some of the challenges from time to time. So let's just learn how to do that. You know, and even if you do have that fear of that stigma, because you know that that does, sure. you know, ring true for a lot of families. Our district focuses, and I believe a lot of districts do this, not only on on hiring highly qualified teachers and staff, sure. but our counselors, our social worker, they look for those that, you know, I'm independently licensed in my field. Our counselors are well-trained in their field and, and are top-notch in what they do. So protecting that privacy to be able to meet the needs of a student or a family and protect their privacy and their dignity I know Kevin and I work very well together when I go to his school if we have a child who has a hygiene issue. Um, we handle that very discreetly. Sure. Um, and that's a very private conversation. The other students don't know that happens. Or if yeah. we have a family we know is struggling financially, we find a way to meet that need mm -hmm. um, without broadcasting that to the world so that they are protected if they are afraid of that. But I would say, too, on not the social, emotional necessarily, but the hygiene and others. I have so many people reach out to me that want to help yes. and I'm not in the schools to do that. So I usually ask Terry or any of the principals, Hey, I, I have this. So if you're a parent out there and need that help, just ask so because Kelly, there are I'm just so many people. Take this to you. Talk to us about blessings in the backpack, what that's going to look like, you know, how people can take advantage. <laughs> well, Cannot. we're not sure yet. <laughs> we just it talked will be there yesterday about yeah. setting that conversation. It will, okay. be, it will be there somehow. I'm sure yes. it will just, how it is will be different, especially okay. if there's not lockers, because we always discreetly put it in a locker. So we'll just, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, at the younger schools, it's not that much different mm -hmm. because no one really touches yeah. it there. It's usually in the office and then they distribute. So we're going to figure that out. And if it goes to modified, how that would work. but. Sure. Terry has been very good at figuring out yes. how to get it to the kids. So <laughs> we became yes. really, really close good teammates friends. in the spring. Yeah. It was like one of the only people I got to see during quarantine. Yes. It was like, oh, hey. <laughs> it was amazing the things that came together in the spring on a dime to figure out how to do that. Sure. Um, and it came from very creative, unexpected places. Our band directors offered up the use of the band trailers to transport blessings from yeah. the warehouse to the school. Um, our bus drivers bonded together with us to create a delivery route for the ones that absolutely positively could not get out of their homes. Um, you know, we found a way to overcome barriers to prevent us from passing out school lunches and blessings on site at the same time. Um, and we worked that out to a way that everybody's meeting their rules and their guidelines, but we're still able to get the families what they need. Um, and I have yeah. full faith we can do that again. Yeah. This is what I love, Tuscarawas <laughs> County. Um, I think every single part of our county really worked diligently to figure this out. You know, at the end of the day, it was like, we are all in this together. We are one big giant family. And so oh, Kelly, yeah. I appreciate the work. Actually, y'all. Oh, it's a community. I mean, it everybody is. gives, everybody yep. gives their time and resources. And I've had a few people, they want to give uh, different programs, whether it's a new pair of shoes, whether it's clothes, mm -hmm. you know, they're asking how we can get it into the bags with a blessing oh, nice. to let these people know. But if people would reach out and say, hey, my kids do need new pairs of shoes, 
Sure. There are people there that have coupons for new shoes. Yes. That, you know, I had no idea was out yes. there until somebody emailed me. So who do me. they call, if anyone? Yeah. <laughs> me. Yeah. And then I, I mean, you it's call amazing. Me, but call Jerry. <laughs> you know, different churches with backpacks, they call yeah. and say, hey, we have backpacks. And so Tamara usually puts that together at the administration building. So there's backpacks with all the supplies in them ready to go. So it's, they're all there. You just sometimes have to ask. So ask for help. Look at resources in default. Call Terry. And she, if you have have a a good social worker, they know everybody. They're willing to work. So she can figure out where to get you. If you have a need or if you want to make a donation, call me. Perfect. There you go. Yes, it was. It's amazing. People actually just drove through to give a donation for blessings in a backpack for the food. It was amazing. I would call Kelly and say, I'm returning your blue bags and a check for this amount of money. And I was like, okay. (laughs) The tears, I mean, it's amazing. You know, it's just the thoughtfulness of people. Yes. So ask for help. Um, Feel free to give help. Contact Terry on that. Hey, I have another mental health question. Um, And I think this can apply to any age group, but are middle high school kids... If you've noticed a change in them since the pandemic, and I can say that's normal. I mean, kids, especially in those age demographics, are supposed to be connecting. They're so supposed to be doing life in a very different way than they've been able to. So if you've noticed detachment, change in personality, not the same kid that you had prior to COVID, what do you do? Um, they can contact me or the school counselors. Okay. And my first um, step would be to interview that that student. Okay. Um, to meet with them myself, kind of see if I can figure out what's going on, um, and then to develop an appropriate plan. Now, I'm limited by what a student or family will let me do. Okay. But in those situations where I suspect that it's depression or anxiety or something that's having a profound effect on that student, then I would talk to the family, get some paperwork signed to give me permission to call one of the local mental health agencies. Families get to choose who they want to go or where they want to go to. I can help facilitate that or I can just very simply give them the contact information, whatever they choose. Um, I have gone the spectrum from providing a phone number to a family to being asked to accompany a family to a doctor's appointment to discuss psychotropic medication. So I'm very flexible and very willing to do whatever it is that family needs. Um, in my field, the intervention that I do is very individualized to each student. Okay. You know, not every student needs the same thing. Some are pretty independent in making those connections. Um, some need a little more help. So at what point would you say to a parent, hey, give me a call if they're saying what? Well, I'm going to talk to that student first of all. I'm going to see how serious this is and if we can maybe provide that student with some coping mechanisms, okay. some things that might help overcome the problem. If I feel it is a threat to that student's safety or well-being, and and my students know this, I tell them up front, what we talk about is private unless I believe that you're going to hurt yourself or someone else. And at that point, I have to get other people involved. Um, And my kind of tag phrase is, um, I'm okay with you hating me for the rest of your life as long as I know you have a rest of your life to hate me. So I'm okay with that. I can live with that. Um, so when that, that line is drawn in the sand for me definitively when they're a threat to themselves or someone else, um, and, you know, social workers, counselors are trained in doing lethality assessments to determine that. Okay. Um, and then I would reach out to parents. We have had parents come pick students up and take them straight to the emergency room if we thought they were truly an imminent need sure. for that intervention. 
Um, so I'm just going to throw out on on that issue for parents. It's really hard to understand what's going on in those adolescent brains, those teenage brains right now. So if you're seeing signs of, you know, their appetite's not great, they're not engaging with their friends, they're not finding enjoyment from life, um, don't underestimate the toll the pandemic could have had on young people because it's just very different than it is from adults. So if you're seeing some... Um, flags, yeah, red flags, yellow flags. Right, some of know, those changes. That withdrawal, they're not taking showers like they used to. They're sleeping a lot. They're just not engaging in activities that at one point they were passionate about or sure. really enjoyed doing. Those are the things I would pay attention to. Okay. And and that's happening. That's happening to everyone right now. Sure. You know, we're at a point, it's normal right now for parents to say, I can't be home with my kids another day. <laughs> okay. It doesn't make you a bad parent. Who never says that? Okay. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's normal for these kids to say, I can't do this. I can't yeah. do online one more time. Okay. You know, I, I need to connect with my teacher. I need to see them. Um, that's a basic human need that we often forget. We don't just need food and water. Yep. We need that connection to people. For sure. Okay. I think we covered a lot today. We've covered if you need information, you go to the website, kind of what the contingency plans look like, kind of that normal every day. We talked about having those conversations with your young people, preparing them for school. Um, and you all are also doing some grade leveling too, which actually might work really well in the the face of this new situation we're facing, I have sure. a feeling that's probably a little easier to control things right now. It, it, it allowed, as I mentioned earlier, it allowed that flexibility again, uh, you know, with, with the building that I have now, which is a K-1 composition. You know, as we're thinking about whatever plan we have to move into, I have that group of teachers that can collaborate with one another. Yeah. And I, I think developmentally, when you have students of the same... Um, area of developmental need it's probably easier to address them than trying to hit that whole continuum all the time so um and what people don't realize is our teachers were grade leveling since march okay because they were working in the teams that they're with now you know no one likes change that's going to be a hard adjustment for our teachers and our staff and for all of us um i think the thing that i would focus the most on is this is something that we need to do we need to look at what's in the best interest of our students. Yeah. And now that that decision has been made, what can we do to make this right. as easy a transition as possible for these kiddos? I know I'm a mom as well. And I know change is not easy, but I will say I have the privilege of going in other districts and I love the feel of districts that are grade leveled. So I know once you, you got to get through the logistics and all that, but mm-hmm. when you're actually in that building, there's something about, the limited band of age ranges that keeps kids kind of innocent a little bit longer or an, I don't know. It's just when you put a fifth grader and a second grader in the same building, the second graders always want to act like a fifth grader. You know what I mean? Right. So when you kind of shorten those age ranges, it does seem to change the feel of a building. It will help so. middle school transition too because yeah. you will have that. Yeah. All the kids all of a sudden at that awkward stage where you're yeah, all, you're all there them. together, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I would say, like, for, speaking on me, as I'm sharing with my teachers, yeah. as we're, it's an opportunity for me and my staff and my families now that have kindergartners and first grades, 
we get to create our own culture. Yeah. You know, where, you know, my building's been in place since 1942. And it's, I'm sure, gone through cultural changes throughout that duration. This is an exciting time for me and my staff. And it's, it's new. It, it's almost like a brand new building yeah. that we get to make a brand new culture, a brand new connections with with families. And, you know, that's going to be a part of, of these students as they move through school the next 13 years of their history. Yeah. I was a York student. Yeah. In 2020, 2021, I mean, it, yeah. it's an exciting thing for me. And as I share that with my teachers, I see them reciprocating that same excitement. Change is hard, as she mentioned earlier. Change is extremely hard. And change is hard at any time. And, you know, this year with everything, you know, change has been hard. But I will tell you, you know, once you can put that in the rearview mirror, yeah. there's so much in front of this that's just going to be, it's, it's exciting. Yes. I, I mean, I'm excited to see kids here in a couple of weeks. I'm excited personally that I get to see a lot of five and six year old little kids because <laughs> they're happy they're, and they smile and they're cute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see, I'm sure, in the next two weeks, a lot of first time parents with a lot of it. A lot tears. of worries that I get the tears. tears. A lot of worries. Every year. And that was the first year I did. I was like, oh. So, with all the things that have not been normal since March, that's normal. And yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And, and I know my, my staff is as well. As an outsider looking into the world of education, I know it's hard. Like, I can't imagine what y'all are going through. And I imagine that staff have concerns and, you know, feelings of anxiety as well. But I also know from the years of watching educators that whatever they're feeling here will not translate to what they see to those kids. Exactly. You know, um, when those kids walk in, they are going to feel loved and wanted and cared for and protected. And I think, you know, just for our listeners to know, at the end of the day, you are not in the fields you are if you do not love your young people. Um, So I hope that gives some, you know, just reassurance to families that when they go in, there's so much behind the scenes going on. But what those kids will feel is cared for and protected and taken care of. Is there anything else y'all just kind of want to close for people to know about, you know, what school's going to look like? I think just the idea that we need to embrace the fact that change is hard and it is hard for all of us. At this point, it's not even a question of whether you agree with it, disagree with it, like it, don't like it. It's what are we going to do from this point forward? How are we going to enter into this year? Are we going to focus on the solutions and, and look for the silver linings and the opportunities you know, when I did counseling out of an office mm-hmm. um, in, in my past lives, yeah. in my career, one of the things that I would often say to people is, what has happened to you, good, bad, or ugly, has happened. Mm-hmm. And now you have a choice. You're at a crossroads of whether you're going to let it make you bitter or better. Yep. And my hope for our district, for our teachers, for our parents, for our community is that we choose the route that makes us better. Um, because I think it is an opportunity to grow and yeah. to make the possible best possible educational. Um, a lot know. of beautiful things will come out yes, of this hard time. I believe no that. doubt. I so. believe that. I think we're going to be stronger. I think Absolutely. we're going to be better because Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. And, and, and this community just does come together, you know, when we need to. So, you know, we can count on that. We know that. Absolutely. Well, listen, I really want to appreciate y'all. Um, I hope for listeners, this gives you a better understanding. It relieves some fears and concerns. I hope you know 
ask questions. Um, everyone's wanting to find the best solutions and make sure this is much of a win-win as possible. So thank you for your time. And thank you. Thank you all for having all do, us. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and visit our website at adctusk.org.